Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. Let's look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9 in the NLT. I'm actually going to look at it in the NLT and in the New King James so that you guys know. Now, this is the famous scripture that right before this, uh, these verses... Um, it's the whole famous scripture about, you know, be anxious for nothing, if you guys remember that, but the peace of God. Well, a lot of people don't read what happens right after uh, that, like what happens after be anxious for nothing, right? We just pause on be anxious for nothing, do not worry, everything is prayer supplication. Now, if this is okay with you, I have a lot of scriptures for you today. Amen? Um, so, but you know me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to twist it in the Holy Ghost style if I can. Philippians 4, verse 8, it says this. Now watch this. Now, dear brothers and sisters, I want you to take notes, whether it's with your, uh, I want you to write these scriptures down. Because I believe these principles are going to help me and it's going to help our community. And everyone said, amen. Dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Now watch this. Underline this. Fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think, here's another phrase, think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Watch, keep putting into practice. Say, keep putting into practice. All that you've learned and received from me. Now, when he says from me, I want you to take that as from God, because the apostle uh, Paul was speaking under the unction of the Holy Spirit. So when he says what you receive from me, is he saying you also received it from the Lord through me. Right? Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. So it says fix your eyes or fix your thoughts, fix your minds. That's in the NLT. In the New King James, if most of you have New King James, it says something a little bit different that I want to harp on to really set a foundation of the principles that the Lord gave me. And it says the same scripture. Brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, in the New King James, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are uh, lovely, whatever things are a good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, watch this, meditate on these things. Meditate. Everybody say meditate. Now, meditate is not a new age thing. The new age thing kind of perverted that, but it was originally from Scripture. All right? So meditate. Don't freak out about meditation. I'm not, you know, some people think of meditation, the guy, the, the, the monkey Rafiki, you know, <laughs> doing that. But he says, but he says, meditate on these things. Now, why is that significant to know? Is that just a word like, okay, what does meditate mean? I had a funky idea what that meant before I started realizing. I felt like, oh, Lord, here, you know, like, like this, this, this weird thing. But, you know, me- meditation is from the Lord. But why I wanted to harp on the word meditate on these things because the biblical meaning of meditate has a connotation of something that is weighty and it's repeated over and over again, watch this, in your mind and through your prayers, so much so until it becomes part of your being, part of who you are that will actually can dictate your actions. So it's repeating something that's weighty. This is what meditate means. When you weighty, uh, something that you ponder that's weighty from the Lord, that is pure, that is holy. And you keep repeating it in your mind and in your prayers over and over again until it becomes a core of who you are and it will help dictate your actions. Why do I say this? Because I believe that the main thing that the Apostle Paul was trying to say uh, to the Philippians church and to the body of Christ and to RCC is there are some things that in Scripture that I want you to meditate on and repeat it over and over and over in your mind and in your prayers as you think about this until it becomes reality and it pushes you from just uh, thinking about it to actually doing these things and having those things as a reality in your life. Can I hear you, man? So those things will eventually fuel your actions. Now, I said this because I, I, I want to encourage you to think or meditate in 2020 on the following things. I'm going to give you some things I was driving and I had to pull over. I was praying and I texted myself notes. How many of you text yourself? I text myself so <laughs> some things that I wrote down and then I build on it the last couple of days. So let's go to the first slide. Going into 2020, here are some things we should meditate. Everybody say meditate. 
and think about so it can become a regular practice and reality in our life. Now, now before I tell you this, I want you to, to buckle your seatbelts because it's not just uh, losing weight. Actually, losing weight is not even on there. <laughs> but, but, but that should be a goal, too. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying nothing about that. But what I'm saying is I really feel that this is very significant. So the first one is this. Now, you're going to shout in this one. The first one I want you to meditate on over and over again in 2020 is increasing and using your faith. Now, I want you to clearly hear me on this because everyone says, oh, yeah, that's good. No, there's a difference between faithfulness and faith. Faithfulness and faith are not the same. Being faithful and using your faith are completely different. There are many people who are extremely faithful that are not using their faith. Increasing and using our faith talks about a difference between faithfulness and faith. There's a difference between having faith and using your faith. Sometimes God won't do a thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bust some of your guys' bubble. Sometimes God won't do a thing about your situation until you activate and use your faith. And some of you said, well, if God were present and if God loves me and if God really is for me, like he says, why is he not doing anything for me? And the mistake that we make and the mistake I have made, and I have got angry with God because of what I'm about to tell you. I thought God was going to answer my prayer based on my longevity of faithfulness for him. But let me tell you something. God is not going to necessarily answer your prayers just because you've been faithful, even though that is good. Don't throw rocks at me for a second. God is not necessarily going to just answer your prayers just because you've been serving the Lord for 20 years. And then you get mad because your prayers are not answered because you say, God, I've been serving you for this long. Why haven't you done anything? Because he's waiting for you to take authority by using your faith. There are some things in life that God will not do for you. Even though there's a present situation there, because God did not say without faithfulness it's impossible to please him. I'm going to go over this side. He says without faith it's impossible to please him. Faithfulness is extremely important, but we cannot stay silent based on not using our faith, especially as we enter the new year, and expect God to answer our prayer just because we've been faithful. Here, let me give you a little insight of transparency. I'm going to be transparent. When I've been suffering the affliction that I've been suffering with since October of last year, that has been painful. Sometimes it's very painful, and sometimes it's minimal painful. But sometimes it'll just, it'll just flare up. This is this uncommon nerve disease. That's what they're saying, all right? This un- uncommon nerve, pedental nerve neuralgia, right? And I'm not a- a- ashamed to say it to our body. Some of you already know it, all right? With this thing, it was very debilitating that sometimes I, I, I couldn't even walk, I couldn't sit, but I had to do it. And I got mad at God, watch me church, hear me church, because I felt that God should have done something for me because I'm faithful and because I am leading the people and because, and there are some things, especially when you talk about demonic spirits, which we're not talking about, but there's some demonic activity that is not going to go away out of your life unless you use your faith. I'm going to show you an example in scripture that although Jesus was completely faithful, he could not get results until he used his faith. Come on, say increase and use your faith. And the way that you use your faith is by proclaiming something what you believe and declaring it and then matching your proclamation by your actions. In other words, if you really believe that God is going to heal that person out of the wheelchair, you will actually go to the person with the wheelchair, lay hands on them and declare, I take authority over this sickness, rise up. But you can't see healing just by saying, I've been faithful I've been faithful in my walk with God. God is going to heal that person as I walk by them because I've been very faithful. You have to use your faith. Turn to someone and say, use your faith. So watch this. I'm going to share this something. There's a lot of good Christians whose lives are messed up and they can't understand it because they think that God needs to answer their prayers based on their faithfulness. No, your reward for your faithfulness is mostly in heaven. 
and it's here on earth too, yes. Your reward, I'm going to make it very clear, there's rewards here on earth for your faithfulness. Absolutely, I've experienced it. There's rewards in heaven for your faithfulness. Actually, one of the main rewards in heaven is because of your faithfulness. But some breakthroughs on earth must have your faith to be exercised. You say, well, where is that in scripture? All over, but I'm going to harp on one. I, wanna, I want you to see <laughs> Every time, listen, every time you use your faith for a particular situation that's hard, it causes your faith to grow. Oh, I'm going to say that again. Every time you use your faith to believe for something and then actually walk in that direction that you believe in, listen, if I didn't have faith that God was going to come through to be able to help us with, to, 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 buy, to get, buy this building, we would have not had that meeting and say, let's go through it. Did we have the money at that time? No. But my faith says, I know that God's going to do it, and we begin to declare it. And God supernaturally provided for the closing costs this February. Can I hear an amen? And so, so every time you use your faith for something that's impossible, it's extra strength for the next big challenge you have coming forward. It's extra strength because if he did it before, I remember one time I was, I was, I was kind of nervous and, and about things, and we were having a game night uh, with some of my spiritual sons just a couple months ago. We are having a game night, and I kind of slipped, and I said, you know, I like, uh, we need this, we need that, we need this, and we pray. One of, my, one of my spiritual daughters goes, PG, relax. God gave you a building. You'll be all right. Now, you may think that's funny, but that builds faith because I'm like, wait, he did it before. He did it before. He'll do it again. I've seen you move. You move the mountains. And I believe you do it. Come on, you sing better than me. Come on, help me out, Christina. Come up here and sing with me. Say he'll do it again. He'll do it again. There are a lot of people who are extremely faithful that are not using their faith. Woo. Can I go over this side, Lou? There are, there are a lot of people that are extremely faithful but are not using their faith. I made that mistake. Now, that wasn't the old PG. The old PG would use faith all the time. But when you're under pressure, things change. You just got to learn a couple things. So you're under pressure. You're like, oh, Lord, but you see. Literally, I literally said, Lord, you know how long I've served you. Why? Why aren't you doing this? Why? And the Lord is like, I'm not going to do a thing. I remember. How many remember Papa Hagen? Papa Hagen. Uh, uh, Kenneth Hagen. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna identify the, the type of people in this room. Who, who knows Papa Hagen? Papa Hagen. Wow, I can't believe it. Just, you guys don't know who Papa Hagen is? Well, he had a vision one time and he saw like, uh, like, uh, demonic spirits, um, really uh, har trying to harass him in this vision. And, and, uh, in this vision, he saw Jesus standing at the, at the, at the foot of the door, at the bed. You remember that? And Jesus was just standing there. Could you imagine you're going through something and you see Jesus going. And you're like, do something. And the whole time he's being tormented and he's being scared. And he sees Jesus at the, at the front of the bed just staring at him. You remember that story, right? And he's like, Lord. And the demon said, he says, Lord, why didn't you do anything? You were standing there. And the Lord says, there's, and there, I remember in the book, there's like a, he saw the, the, the I think the a drop of the blood of Jesus on his bed or something like that in this dream. And he said, one, one drop of my blood is more powerful than all the hosts of demons combined. He says, I'm not going to do a thing because the one who lives in you is greater than he was in the world. You need to use your faith and take authority.
What was he doing in that moment? Come on, let's have a Bible lesson. He was exercising his faith. Now, in this case, the faith was for something that seemed negative, but he declared it by faith. All right? Now watch. Look at verse, um, look at verse uh, 20. Verse 20 says this. Now in the morning, watch this, this is going to help you. As they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them. Are you ready for this? He didn't say have your, faith, have your faithfulness in God. He said have faith in God. Ooh, come on, you didn't shout with me on that one. He said, have, <laughs> could you imagine the scene? Jesus, look, the tree that you, that you cursed. What, what happened? How did you do that? Have faith in God. <laughs> just, just turn, have faith in God. Now watch, faith has action. For surely I said to you, whoever, say this with me, says. Ooh, wait, wait, that means we got to do something. That means we have to declare something. It's not just because you're faithful. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed from uh, here or there and be cast to the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask for when you pray, watch this, believe that you will receive them. That's why sometimes, oh, do we have to go that? Do we have to pray for that? Do we have to do that? If you just believe. All these people, when there was no food, I, I, can't, I, I can't prove this, but I bet Jesus was kind of looking for adults and some people. It was like, hey, there's 5,000 people. And their logic kicked in. See, sometimes faith is the opposite of your logic. If you're, uh, if you're someone that has to see everything in the natural, you will struggle with using your faith. There's 5,000 people there. There's no way I'm going to give you my lunch. There's no way. I, I need to eat it for my kids and my family. And this one innocent child goes, Jesus, you could take it because I know that you could use this little and I have faith that you could do it for more. Right? And so the results happen when we use our faith. Jesus didn't get results to his declaration by simply being faithful. He used his faith. Come on, say Amen. He used his faith. Everybody say, use your faith. And you know what using your faith really is? You know what you're, using your faith really is? Using your faith, look at, the, look at the screen, is really exercising your authority that the Lord already gave you through his word and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> using your faith is really exercising your authority. Say, my authority. Say, my authority. Say, I have authority that God has given me through his word and through the Holy Spirit. That's what using your faith is. When, so when someone says, use your faith, this is my PG definition, the PGV version. Using your faith is exercising your authority that the Lord already gave you through his word and the Holy Spirit. So that means we got to get into his word and we got to have some uh, boldness in the Holy Spirit to know who we are so that we could use our faith. People that don't know their identity will not use their faith. People that don't know their identity will not use their faith. Can I hear an amen? So in 2020, I want to encourage you, use your faith. And before I go to the next one, every time you use your faith, your faith grows. Every time you use your faith, your faith grows. Could you imagine if God, if, if I could believe God for $20,000 that I've never believed God for in my life and it happened? It ain't nothing but a thing now. Like, like when 5000 I'm not trying to be boastful. I'm just saying like it, he did it for me. <laughs> like like ten, oh, you need to come with 5000 God gave me 20000 Back up, devil. Right? Amen. The second thing, the second thing I want you to meditate on, the Bible says to meditate on these things. Look at this. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. See, I don't get any amens. I didn't see, I didn't, I didn't get any woo-hoo. <laughs> Fasting and praying. If I could be completely honest with you as your pastor, we have prayer every Tuesday. I lead as a lead pastor. The Lord told me, you will lead that. Sometimes it's hard to have a lot of things. But I lead prayer every single Tuesday. And maybe out of, a, out of our whole community, about five of us show up. Now, this is not to, to, to degrade anyone. But we need to put a greater value on prayer. 
If we're going to go anywhere in 2020, we must put an emphasis on meditating more on prayer and fasting. If you're going to have any real breakthrough in your life in this next year, you and I must meditate more on fasting and praying. And you said, well, I like to eat. So do I. So do I. Probably more than you. But I know that where God is taking us, there has to be a degree of sacrifice. By the way, you want to know a curse word in the, in the church is sacrifice. That you throw in heaven and hell, those are two other uh, curse words. Sorry, more hell. But, but, or sin or repentance. But you're, if you're going to see any real breakthrough in your life, these two essential disciplines are vital and necessary to be active in your life. I want to share some... Um, biblical principles here of why prayers and fasting through the Bible. Because every time a nation or an individual needed something urgent, like an urgent breakthrough, every time a nation or a people needed an urgent and supernatural breakthrough, you know what they called the recipe for the doctor, the spiritual doctor? It was call a fast and call a prayer and prayer. So it's not just fasting. By the way, let me pause and say this. I appreciate all the millennial ways of fasting. I appreciate all that. But the true biblical fast is being without food or water. <laughs> it's not, it, so, so you do whatever the Lord leads you. But a true biblical fast is every one of them fasted food. I'm going to share with you people who are in dire need or nations that were in dire need that when they needed a breakthrough they called a fast and every single time God came through for them there are some situations in your life right now that you need major breakthroughs and prayer alone it's not going to cut it you need prayer mingled with fasting I know it almost it's almost blasphemous to say that but I'm going to prove it to you. So uh, it, I want you to commit to building your personal prayer life. Say personal prayer life. Come on, say corporate prayer life. You know what corporate prayer life is? Is It's going to be uncomfortable. Yes, I'm going to admit. It's going to be uncomfortable. You're going to be tired. Yes, I admit. You're going to be coming home from a long day of work, and you're going to be dragging. Yes, I admit it. Yes. But it's time to make those sacrifices. I, 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 if we were living in the days of the Bible, Paul would look at us and say, what's wrong with you, fool? You're, compla you're complaining that you're not going to prayer because you're tired? My friend's just got his head cut off going into prayer. And he was told, he was told they're going to kill him, and he did it anyways. All the time, you see John and Peter. I was telling this to my friend. John and Peter, they're walking, and, they, and, the, and the miracle at the gate, right? And the gate. You guys remember that, right? Where there's, the, there's this crippled man. He was at the gate, and he was crippled. Everybody focuses on the miracle, right? And, and you know, John and Peter said, you know, silver or gold I don't have, but, but, but what I do have, I give to you rise, right? Everybody focuses on that. Do you know what they were going? The Bible says, and they were going together to the temple in the hour of prayer. They were going to a prayer meeting. Look it up, Acts chapter 3. They were just talking. I can't wait to go to prayer. And as they, because they had a lifestyle of fasting and prayer, they're going to the temple to have a corporate prayer meeting. And on the way, they see a need and they exercise their authority and they have a miracle. But they had a lifestyle of fasting and prayer. I'm telling you, like I'm touching this pulpit, there are certain breakthroughs that will not happen until you and I start fasting and praying. Maybe you've been praying for something and you get no breakthrough. Maybe you need to say, Lord, I'm going to get away and I'm going to fast for a little while. And I'm not going to make a big deal out of it telling everyone what I'm doing, but I'm just going to be between me and you and you're going to cause the breakthrough. Oh, glory to God. So watch this. I'm going to give you a couple things in the Bible. When an entire nation needed God's urgent favor and mercy on the land from impending judgment, Joel called a fast for the whole nation. I'm calling a fast for the church. Joel was so bold. He says, I want the whole nation to fast. Could you imagine if President Trump says, on this day, we are all going to fast. I'm calling a fast for everyone so that there could be revival in the land. Are you kidding me? So, that, so that, the, that, that the Lord would spare us and protect us from abandoning him. And I'm going to call a time of fasting and prayer. In Joel chapter 2, Joel called a fast 
and prayer. That's why I'm t- telling you to meditate on fasting and prayer. And I don't care if you're a teenager. This is for you too. And if you're a young adult, this is for you too. And if you're cool like me, this is for me too. <laughs> I didn't get any amens on that, but it's all right. <laughs> Secondly, when demonic forces and pressures try to abort God's prophetic promise to an entire nation, Daniel got on his knees and began to pray and fast. You know, we call it a Daniel fast, but Daniel didn't call it a Daniel fast. <laughs> he, would say, <laughs> he would say, I'm going to call it a me fast. I'm, I'm, I'm going to call this a George fast. And, and throughout the history, it's going to be, no, he just prayed and there was a breakthrough. It just happened to be 21 days. He went into fasting and prayer. And glory to God, the angel of the Lord, the archangel, came to him. And many of you know the story. And and I'm paraphrasing. And he said, hey, I would have been here earlier. But from the very first day that you started praying, I was sent. But the prince of Persia, the principalities of Persia, withheld, withheld me. So I needed help. So the archangel had to come. 21 days later, there was a breakthrough. That's why, that's why just because you get a prophetic word doesn't mean you just sit on it without praying. You know why he was praying? Because he saw the, the, the prophetic time clock of Jeremiah. Jeremiah had prophesied hundreds of years before that the, the, the Israelites would be captive for 70 years. And so he looked at his time clock. He goes, I'm living in the end of that 70 years. We're about to get set free. So watch this. He had a choice. Ah. It's written by the prophet. 70 years, we'll get set free. He's like, I am going to pray to make sure this prophecy comes to pass. From bondage. In other words, the bondage was ended, but now God was moving on wicked kings, wicked Persian kings to say, hey, I give the Jews permission to leave Babylon and Persia and go back to Jerusalem. And, but he knew that on the way back to Jerusalem, after 70 years of captivity, the enemy is going to be a little hot. How many of you know if you got something captive for a while and, the, and finally it sets free, you're going to get a little hot if you're evil in that, in that, in that nature. And so Ezra, the priest and the scribe, he called a fast. And the Bible says because of the fast, the Lord answered their prayer. Look, look at what it says in Ezra in that, in that scripture. Ezra chapter 8 verse 21. Look what it says. And there by the, by the Ahava Canal, I gave orders for all of us to fast. Come on, say fast. Now he could have just said hey, we're just, everything's going to be all right because God said he's going to give us permission. There are certain breakthroughs that won't happen unless we fast and pray. Come on, say Amen. He called a fast and humbled ourselves before God. We prayed that he would give us a safe journey and protect us, all of our children and, uh, and our goods as we traveled. Keep going. 
for I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to accompany us and protect us from the enemy along the way. Because, after all, we had told the king, because it, the reason why he was scared, because um, Ezra had told the king at one time boldly, hey, those who worship the Lord, God's going to be on their side. Those that don't, he's not, so you better get it right. <laughs> so he, now that he's leaving Persia and going to Jerusalem, he was ashamed to tell the king, hey, give me some soldiers because some people are going to mock me along the way. He was ashamed, so he called a fast. Watch. For, to, to the soldiers and the horsemen to accompany us, to protect us from the enemies along the way. After all, we had told the king our God's hand of protection is on all who worship him, but his fierce anger rages against those who abandon him. Look at verse 23. So we fasted. Everybody say fasted. And earnestly prayed. Say prayed. That our God would take care of us. Read this with me. And he heard our prayer. He heard and answered because they chose to fast and pray. I could continue. I'll just give you a couple more. We all know this. When an entire um, race of the Hebrews were uh, threatened to be annihilated from the face of the earth. Entire race of the Hebrews and the Jews in the days of Esther. Esther said, I got to do something that's out of the ordinary. I'm going to call a three-day fast with no water and no food. And, he, and she said, all my maidservants, I need you to do the same thing. Guess what? She didn't know what was going to happen. The third day, she had favor supernaturally with the king. And the king lifted up his scepter and said, you could come even though it was way out of protocol and heard her and told him of the plot that Haman was planning behind the scenes to annihilate all the Jews. He made Hitler look like nothing. He literally wanted to annihilate all the Jews. And because of fasting and praying, come on somebody, this is too quiet up in here. Because of fasting and praying, the Bible gave an entire nation because a couple people fasted and prayed for the whole nation. Don't tell me that your prayers and fasting are not making a difference on this nation, especially even on this church. Amen? Honor those in this house who are fasting and praying for us. Lastly, when the disciples did everything that Jesus told them to do concerning prayer. Do you know that there's sometimes we could do everything that God tells us to do and we're not seeing a breakthrough? This is the key. The disciples did everything. They followed the instructions. They declared. They prayed. They even cast out demons. And there was one case where this situation was so bad that it was this demonic man that he would be thrown in the fire, epileptic man, but it was, it was a, from a demonic spirit because it says it in the Bible. And it happened since the boy was little. Jesus came and they asked him, why couldn't we cast this one out? In other words, modern day language. We did what you told us to do. How many have you you've done what the Lord told you to do? I did, I've been faithful in my house. I've been, I've been reading the word. I've been praying. He goes, this one does not come out except by nothing but fasting and prayer. Can I hear an amen? Number three, I want you to see this. The th third thing I want you to meditate on. It's consecration and holiness. Consecrate in, in 2020. Greater personal holiness in your life and consecration. Now the word consecration, the word sanctify, the word holiness are all interchangeable. So whenever you see in scripture consecrate or sanctify or holy, all right. I mean, look at the presence of God when we start singing, holy is the Lord. There's something about the nature of his holiness. Listen, the angels don't run around his throne and say power, 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 although he is powerful. They don't say mercy, 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 although he is merciful. They say holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Do you realize that personal holiness is of absolute importance. I'm just going to say something really powerful but bold at the same time. Some of us need to make major adjustments in this area of our lives. We've allowed, we've allowed carnality to rule and dictate our Christian walk. We've allowed it to happen. And it basically, uh, consecrate, sanctify holiness means to prepare, to set apart, to be pure and uncontaminated for the sake of purity. That's what sanctify means. Is to be set apart. Is to be uh, consecrated. In Leviticus 20, verse 7, it has these three words interchangeably. So you, you see that it has like the same connotation. In Leviticus 27, you can see it on the screen. It's going to pop up. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be 
holy. To consecrate yourself is to set yourself apart for the sake of holiness. For I am the Lord your God, and you shall keep my commandments and perform them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. All right? So to, to consecrate yourself and be holy is to fully give yourself to uh, totally to be obedient to the lifestyle that the word of God says for every believer. I'm going to say that again because you just missed it. To be consecrated and to be holy is to completely give yourself to be obedient to the lifestyle. Say lifestyle. Say lifestyle. Say lifestyle. I know some of you are turning me off. I won't say it again. Lifestyle. Well, Brother George, I just got to live, and I just got to love Jesus. No, you also have to make adjustments and live right. Oh, but that's works. No, it's not works. It's your behavior. God doesn't automatically change your behavior and your actions just because you're saved. You have got to make adjustments because you can watch whatever you want. Come on, somebody. You can do whatever you want. You can, you can live double lives and nobody knows it. So don't tell me just because you have a title of a Christian that you're living right. Oh, I feel the Lord. Everyone see, the Bible says, be holy as I am holy. Right? So, so, so watch. It's, so I, I had a definition. This is the PG definition. It's going to be on the screen of what I came up with just in, in my years of being this long. Look at this. Right? Of what I feel consecrated and holy is. Ready? Here's what it is to me. This is what, I, this is what came to my mind. Is to live with a clear distinction, or you're going to shout with me, from a worldly, carnal lifestyle. The key word is distinction. That means they see a difference. To be consecrated and holy is to live with a clear distinction from a worldly, carnal lifestyle where people can easily identify you as one that is truly set apart for living for the Lord. Woo! That people could say there is something about that woman or about that man that makes, me, that makes it so beautiful yet I realize that I'm not there. You know what that is? If we're calling ourselves Christians and we are living in carnal lives, there is no distinction between a worldly person and a saved person. Got quiet up in this Methodist church here. There has to be a clear distinction between someone who is living for God and someone who is not living for God. If there's not, <laughs> so here it is. You ready? Here's, here's the bomb. If there's not, then there's something possibly wrong with how you are living. If they see you depressed all the time, if they see you angry most of the time, if they see you popping off at work, and, they, and yet you have your Bible in your hand. <laughs> Right, and they, and, they, and they see you flirting with girls. Come on, and you're married. Come on, somebody. And, and no one sees, or you're flirting with men, and no one sees, and, and you're, but you're married. That is not a clear distinction of holiness. What I want you to think about in 2020 more than you've ever thought about is how can I consecrate myself and be holy despite how I feel. I was talking to Pedro the other, the other day privately about some things. It's his sovereignty. He's holy whether we're going through stuff or not. <laughs> He's still good whether we're going through stuff or not. He still asks us to be holy even if we don't get our prayers answered or not. If I get mad at God, I would get mad at God. And say, you know, if we could just be really transparent, I'm going to be transparent. You could, if you don't get what you want at times that you need it, if, you're not, if your foundation is not really good with God, with God, you will want to take dessert, spiritual dessert breaks. What it means by that is like, okay, fine. If you don't give me that, then I won't have resistance to not watch that. Let me go over here. Well, if you, if you don't answer me with that, then you know what? I don't care if I, if, if I get mad or angry at this person because you're not doing what I want you to do. See, I think the church has gotten mad at God because we're waiting on him to do something on our terms instead of us doing something on his terms. I want you to think about... I want you to think about consecrating yourself in holiness, even if you have had disappointments. Now watch, now watch, this is going to get really good, because when you consecrate yourself, 
and you walk in holiness, you are positioning yourself to be a greater candidate for his glory and his presence to come upon you because now you've created a bigger funnel for the glory of God and the presence of God to come because the spirit of God is attracted to holiness. You want to attract the presence of God, you live holy, and you repel the presence of God by living in a carnal life. The Holy Spirit is not attracted to ungodliness. When the dove came down, he came down on the perfection of holiness. And so you, you and I have got to realize that we are, prime, we are setting us up as a prime candidate to get more of the presence of God when we walk in holiness. Watch, this stood out to me. Look at Joshua chapter 3. This, this stood out to me. This stood out to me. Say, I'm a prime candidate to receive more of the glory of God and the presence of God when I sanctify myself. Now, now the pause, because that, I know some of you are like, well, God will come on just anybody. Let me tell you something. God is not going to release his presence and glory on someone who's habitually ignoring his holy word. Habitually saying, I don't want to do that. I want to do this. You think God's going to say, man, I'm going to just bless you with my glory even still. Yes, God could do whatever he wants. But according to his word, the Bible is clear that he blesses the righteous. Now watch, are you ready for this? This stood out, I've been ready for years, this stood out to me. Oh, this is so good, I can slap myself. Glory to God. Look at this, Joshua chapter 3, verse 5. Listen, we're, we're going to go over verse 5 yet. I didn't get my coffee in the morning, so maybe that will help. Look at this, watch this. This is crazy. I, I've read this story a million times. I never got what I'm, what I'm going to tell you in just, until just a couple of days ago. And Joshua said to the people, come on, say sanctify. sanctify. Say sanctify. Say sanctify. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Now, now, now get ready because that was verse 5. Just two verses before you know what was on display and for the reason to sanctify yourself. The ark was coming. The presence and the glory of God was there. And he said, because the glory of God is there, I need you to sanctify yourself. Now watch this. Are you ready? And they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord, your God, and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set afar from your place. This will stood out for me. And go after it. Woo! Go after it. In 2020, I'm telling you, go after the presence of God. Go after it. Go after the glory of God. Go, position you and your family and say, I'm going after the ark. I'm going after the presence. I'm going after the glory. But in order for me to go after the glory and receive the glory, I need to sanctify myself and live right. That's a message that's not preached anymore in the churches. That's why I'm not getting a lot of amens and claps this morning. Because to preach on holiness? Uh, uh, in 2019, to preach, to, to live holy is absurd to many people. But I don't care. I'm going to preach it. 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 Go after it. It's talking about going after the ark. Put that slide up, Zach. In 2020, let's aim to go after the presence of God like never before and purposely live a consecrated and holy lifestyle. I want to pause before I go to the next one because the next the three or four will be quick. I know the Holy Spirit is speaking to some of you guys, but sadly, because you don't want to get caught or you don't want to be embarrassed, many of you who are living a carnal life will do absolutely nothing about it. You will continue to, to live a carnal life. You will continue to, to live in a certain way. And we, we get spiritual amnesia. We're talking to a good friend of mine the other day. And it's like after a breakthrough in their life to only come back and totally forget everything that God has done to them, with them. Some of us, the reason why we don't want to live holy because we actually have been dominated so much by carnality that we really love carnality more than we love holiness. 
And I say this as your pastor to say, you must turn around. Because sooner or later, sooner or later, that the favor of God and the things that were once on your life may no longer be on your life like it used to be because of your decisions. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just continue. The fourth thing, now this, I remember in the first thing I said there's a difference between faithfulness and faith, but here's the fourth thing that I want you to, to meditate on. I'm almost done here. Are you getting something this morning? Okay, I, I got, told you got a lot of scripture, but I believe, I, I, when, I, when I heard the Lord say, meditate on these things, I said, Lord, what do you want me to meditate on? And these are the things for me that the Lord told me to meditate on, all right? Faithfulness and consistency. Now, here's where the word faithfulness comes in. Now, here's the good part of faithfulness. You could be faithful and not consistent. Yee-hee. A lot of times people are faithful one time, but they're not consistently faithful. You're faithful in your tithe one time, but you're not consistently faithful. You, co- you come to, let's just say, worship practice uh, or worship or, or service, however you want to call it, and you're faithful, but you're not consistent. Help me, Jesus. And so in 2020, for me, I have decided I want to be not only faithful, but I want to be consistent. Come on, I want to be consistent. See, you could be faithful to the word of God uh, and reading the word in your devotionals, uh, you know, for three, three days in a row, and you're saying, man, I'm on cloud nine. And then you stop being consistent, and then you open up yourself to all these other things. The key to breakthrough is consistency. The th- key to breakthrough is consistency. Come on, say amen. So identify areas right now as I'm preaching in your life that need strengthening and need you to be strengthened, that you were weakened this year or in your life that needs faithfulness and consistency. So think about it right now. Don't, don't raise your hand. Think about what is in your life that needs to be strengthened in areas of you being more faithful and consistent in. I could think of a couple of them that I'm just going to share with you. Number one, some areas that we could all be faithful and consistent in is have, every time you get paid, do you give 10% to the Lord in your tithe? I know some people don't like that. I really don't care. I love you. I, I love you, but I'm just going to tell, tell you, we, we can't pick and choose what part of the Bible we like and what part we don't. It's like, well, I like the part where, you know, he turned water into wine because I like wine. <laughs> but don't tell me about that other stuff about giving. And then people come up with these real weird revelations of why they don't give. Like God is going to change his word. Anyways, how about faithful and, com- and, and consistent in, with what you do with your time? Faithful and consistent with what you do in your time. How about faithful and consistent in your local church? Faithful and consistent in your spiritual family, whatever spiritual family you have. Are you actively trying to get plugged into your local church? If not, I want to challenge you. Get plugged in. Be consistent. Don't be one of those people that show up once every three months. We love you. We love you. But you're not plugged in that way. You can't be plugged in that way. Some people tell me all the time, well, you're judging. I'm not judging. I'm just telling you there's no way that you could grow and be plugged in if you're not. Listen, there's power when you get plugged in, right? This, this thing right here is good. But when it starts losing power, I need a connection, connection, the body of Christ, in order for it to have power. If I am not connected, I don't have power. If I'm not connected to the local body, I will not have fullness of power. Because God doesn't want us to be lone rangers in the body of Christ. Right? All right, all right okay, so I'm going to be quick. How about, how about this? How, have you been faithful and consistent to keep your promises? To keep your word? Have you been faithful and consistent? Here's a good one. Using the gifts and talent that God has already given you before the foundation of the earth. Do you have a preaching gift and a teaching gift? Are you faithful and consistent in using it? Do you have a hospitality gift? Are you faithful and consistent in using it? Come on, don't get mad at me. I'm just saying it. I don't know who does or who doesn't. I, I, I do sometimes. Do you, do you have a singing gift or a musical gift? Are you faithful and consistent with it? Or are you bearing, bearing, is that the way you say it? Burring, bearing, burying it in the ground. All right? Do you, have, are, are, do you have an administrative gift that, that the church, the body of Christ could need? Are you faithful and consistent in using it? Amen? Fit, now, now watch this. I'm going to go fast. 
Put that slide up, Zach. Faithfulness and consistency is the main ingredient for the Lord to entrust you with more. Woo! I'm going to say that again. Faithfulness and consistency is the main ingredient for the Lord to entrust you with more. I'm going to give you the scripture that God gave me right before I launched from OHOP to RCC. And I was like, Lord, I don't know. Give me something. Give me a scripture. And out of all the scriptures, he gave me about two or three. This is one of the main ones. He says, I'm going to be with you. This is the key. Faithfulness and consistency. Are you ready for this? Luke, watch this. Luke chapter 16. This is what he gave me. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in the large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with the great responsibilities. If you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches in heaven? Watch this. If you are not faithful with what belongs to other people, who should, be, who should you be trusted with with things of your own? I, was, I, I launched when I was 44 years old, and that's late to launch, right? But I was faithful and consistent at OHOP and other ministries, serving other people's dreams, serving other people's ministries, serving other people's calling. And I didn't even want to be a senior pastor, but watch this, when it was my turn. God entrusted me with so much in such little time. If you would have told me in three years after you started church, you're going to own a, your own building and it's going to be not in a, in, in a, in a what is that, uh, a storefront. It's going to be your own building. I would have been, <laughs> I'm like, well, come on, dog. What are, you, what are you talking about? What kind of ice cream or weed or something that you, the drug or something that, that you, what dream? I'm like, I'll be like, you know, that, that, that's fine. But I, don't, I really, that's good, that's good. You know, that's good. But I, I don't know. I'll just be honest. I would have been like, ah. He gave it to me quickly. And I'm not saying that I deserve it. It's because God honors faithfulness and consistency. If you're not faithful what belongs to another person, who will give you what's your own? Baby, but when it's time for your own to get your own, it's going to be good. I, I got to go because people are leaving, so I got to hurry up. Talk about this much, which I should. How can I strengthen my family? Listen to me. I'm almost done. There's one more point after this, okay? But I'm not calling the worship team up because I don't want them to stand there for long. <laughs> now watch, watch, watch. Strengthening the family dynamic means I'm going to get really unspiritual with you now. Are you ready? Are you ready? I'm going to get really unspiritual. Spending time with each other, going to parks, going to dinners, Making sure you put that as a priority over ministry, over your hobbies, over your job. We need to work. We need to be called. But it's not God, uh, ministry, family. It's God, family, ministry. And I admit, I haven't got it right for a long time. I don't do it on purpose. But ministry consumes me sometimes. And so I have to make sure that I have to put on the planner times to go out. Just this past week, we went, our family and I, we went out to the park. And we went out to some other place. And we went out to this place. Why? We're making memories. We're strengthening the family dynamic by spending time with each other. Here's the key. How do you spell love? T-I-M-E. Whatever you say you love, you will spend time with. As a matter of fact, what you spend more time with will reveal what you love the most. It's expensive, so I didn't want to drop the mic. I had to lay the mic down. <laughs> I had to lay the mic down. Yeah. Whatever you spend time with the most reveals what you love the most. Come on, I'm going to preach good here before I close. If you're spending a lot more time in your job than your family, you're saying to your family, I love my job more than my family. I'm preaching to myself. It's okay. This is what the Lord told me. You need to focus on building the family. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. 
You know what that means too? Buckle yourself. Buckle yourself. It means strengthening the family dynamic also means that husbands and wives and marriages need to be healthy. And that means husbands have to admit and wives have to humble themselves where they each have fallen short and say, baby, honey, boo, pumpkin pie, however you call you, your wife, I messed up. Forgive me. I messed up for a long time. I haven't been here, but things are going to change. Or you know what, you know, I canceled this meeting because I want to be intentional to spend time with you. I need to go on dates. I need to spend time with children, with my kids. Amen? I need to spend time with them because that, listen, before you blink your eye, they're gone. And then you get, you know what Billy Graham said? Billy Graham, Billy, Billy Graham. If you could do one thing differently, what would you do? You would think, well... I would have bigger crusades and see all of these people more come to the kingdom. They asked him, if you could do one thing differently, what could you do? He said, I would have tried to spend more time with my family. The marriage and the church today is under severe attack. The family unit is under severe attack. We need to go after making reconciliation, making healing for our family. The worship team, if you could come up because I have the, the, my last point here. If all the worship team could come. Put that slide up, Zach. Strengthening the family dynamic also means that you focus on bettering yourself. <laughs> Look at that. Say, bettering myself to improve my marriage. Now, obviously, I know this applies to people who are married, but you will be married one day if, you, if you're not married by faith. Read that with me. Read that with me. Strengthening the family dynamic also means that you focus on bettering yourself. You know what that means? Stop blaming the other person for your marriage not being right. Stop blaming your spouse for why your marriage is not right. Look at yourself and say, what can I do to change? Say change. Say change. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself. Make a change. Michael Jackson was prophesying and he didn't even know it. Seriously, say, say, take a look at myself and make a change in my family. You know what I'm praying for for you and for RCC? That we become an Ephesians 5 and 6 community when it comes to our family. What's Ephesians 5 and 6? Ephesians 5 talks about the role of a husband and a wife. The role. A lot of women, with that, they don't know the Bible. Because we're westernized, we see submission from a western standpoint. Right? We, we see it like, I ain't going to submit to him, shoot. You know, Spanish people got that little extra muscle in their neck, you know. <laughs> God created an extra muscle in Latina women, right? Right here. Get that yourself. <laughs> it's just hidden, right? right. No, no, but, but, but seriously, seriously. Seriously, though, seriously, seriously, seriously. A lot of times, I ain't going to submit. The Bible says, submit. <laughs> Wives, submit yourself unto the Lord. Unto the Lord, right? Submit to your husband to the Lord in everything in the Lord, right? That, that, there's no shortcuts to that. Some women say, well, I'm going to submit only if he does that. I've heard women do that. Well, I, I ain't going to submit because you don't do this to me, for me. Just do it and you'll see your reward because your reward is not coming from him. It's coming from the Lord. Now watch this. While women are complaining about submission, we men, we got to die. All you got to do is submit. We got to die. The Bible says, men, husbands, love your wives. Come on, I'm preaching good here. Uh-oh, this is, are you ready for this? As Christ loved the church and gave himself for her and sanctified her with the washing of the water of the word. We have to die as men. What do we have to die with? Our egos. Our pride. That we put our accomplishments Above our, our humbleness in marriage. I've done this and I do that and I do this and do that. Wives are like, I don't care about that. 
want you to be here for the family. Come on, man. Come on, man. Come on, man. Come on, man. We got to make a change in 2020, guys. We need to strengthen the family unit. But it starts with us. Men, put your pride down. Put your ego down. And make things right. You know what? You know what strengthening the family dynamic also means? Setting a culture in your house. Oh, I'm going to shout. That you don't just allow anything in your family to be watched. You just don't allow anything in your household to be in there just because your family. No, you said a culture says, listen, you may want to do this, and when you're 18, you could probably do it. But as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Don't just allow. You know what strengthening the family means? Also setting a precedent that you set a culture of what you allow in your house or not. I don't allow, you can ask my kids, I don't allow just anything in my house. I, what is that? Is that, does that, have that? does that have magic on it? No, come on, Dad. No, I don't want that because it has magic. Is it? Or, or you can't watch that because you, you think I'm legalistic, right? Many people have accused me. Oh, that's legalistic. No, I'm protecting my family by setting a culture of I will not allow certain things to be here. Last but not least, and then we're going to pray. Are you getting something this morning? Are you getting something? There's a last thing that I want you to meditate on in 2020. Fulfilling destiny and legacy. I'm closing real fast here. What's the difference between destiny and legacy? Fulfilling destiny means that I want to challenge you, maybe for the first time in a long time, that you take serious thought about fulfilling the call of God on your life. Sometimes it's been 20 years and you know you've had a call to do something and you laid it on the back burner and you just come to church and you sit down and the call of God is still lingering over your life. Destiny is about fulfilling the call of God in your life. Are you ready for this? Legacy is about helping others fulfill the call of God in their lives. Many of us are stuck with, how can I fulfill the destiny in my life? i got to fulfill my destiny, and that's great. i got to fulfill my destiny. I was talking to, to, to Stephen, and he said something so powerful. Legacy is, is building something for the next generation. Like long after you are gone, will your impact resonate with the future generation? Say destiny. Say destiny. So there's people in here that you have a destiny and it's not over yet. It's not over yet. Just because you had a couple breakdowns, God still wants you to fulfill the call he gave you on your life. Whether it's to be a business person, whether it's to be a preacher, whether it's to be a home, a, a, a mother that's going to disciple children that's going to shake the world. God is saying focus on your destiny. But two, do something this year coming up that will cause you to have a legacy mindset. I'm in an age right now, I'm 47 years old, I, and I'm going to be very honest with you, I've been doing my destiny for a long time now. So yes, I still get fulfillment in that, but I've gotten to an age in my life where I've been doing it for so long, I now get happier when I see other people do their calling, and I have a part of it. Legacy is leaving things behind, fulfilling destiny and leaving a legacy in your children, leaving a legacy in your church. I'm going to say something I've never said before in my life, but I think about this often. I say, Lord, what will this church look like long after I'm gone? Will it still be Remnant Christian Center? Will there still be a culture of revival here? Will there still be inner healing here? Last scripture, Proverbs. It says this in the Amplified Version. I'm leaving. I mean, sorry, we're praying. I'm not leaving, we're, we're praying. A good man leaves an inheritance, watch us, not just money, of moral stability and goodness to his children. Children! A good man, a godly man, leaves an inheritance of moral stability and goodness to his children's children and the wealth of the sinner finds its way eventually into the hands of the righteous for whom it's laid up. Guys, I'm going to close with this. Why have we been slackful in these areas? It's time to pick up these things and meditate again on holiness. Meditate again on strengthening the family. Meditate again on using your faith. Meditate again on faithfulness and consistency. Meditate again 
on the things that you're doing right now, your destiny and your legacy. I want everyone to stand up. Come on. This is the last service of the new year. I want us to meditate and pray about these things. Then we're going to dismiss you. Come on. We're going to sing a song. And I want, as we sing this song, I want you to think about the things that we're going to meditate on this year. How many want to make this a reality this year? Come on. How many want to take what we just discussed as a reality in your life? Come on. Lift up your hands all over this room. Hallelujah. Come on, let's strengthen the family. Husbands, God is speaking to you. Wives, God is speaking to you. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.